and you can live in the day. So let's begin with a hello to you, Alex. And I would like to ask, what do you do? Could you tell the listeners? Yeah. So basically, what I created is um, it's called Music Journey. Even though now I we started to brand it as Music Ado. Uh, and uh, what it is basically is a new method of connecting the student, the children, to other cultures in different parts of the world through music. And also is a way to connect music to geography, history, uh, civic education, um, anthropology, and psychology. Um, wow. Yeah, it's very simple because at the moment is mostly for preschools. Sometimes also we go to primary schools, but the one we have regular the classes that we have regularly, they are for preschools. So they are, they are made in a very simple way. Um, so I, have a, I go with a world map and uh, it's a big rug with a world map on top. And we have a train and we explore the world. Yeah? And uh, when the train stops in a country, I show them a picture of a tribe and then I show them the, the instrument, the musical instrument that they play. I say something about the place and the tribe. And then we play the instrument and we jam all together. So, uh -huh. yeah, if we, with some instruments like uh, the jambe in West Africa, I also have drums for them and we all jam along. Other instruments like the didgeridoo, um, before the lockdown, I, had, I was bringing other plastic didgeridoos for them as well, for who wanted to try. And now not much because some, you know, some parents, some schools are concerned about the wind instrument and sharing the, the winds. Oh. Things, but that, must from, be, that must be frustrating. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but the, the, you know, the, the, the main things we, we, we still do, we still do uh, jam together dance together and discover other tribes and cultures through, through music. Um, that's the, the main the main classes like this. We explore the world. We always have the world map in the middle with the train and we all sit around in a circle and um, and then we, we discover the various instruments and it... yeah, there Hello, Alex, you cut out for a bit. Oh, sorry, you didn't hear me? No, for the past 20 seconds, you cut out. Okay. What was the last thing you heard I was saying? You are connecting the students with tribes yeah. and those cultures. But I, I had a question when you, when you paused, when you, when you got broken up, it, it kind of made me think, where are, you, um, where are you broadcasting from? Oh, I'm in London. Okay. I live in London. But oh. I'm from Italy. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are, you a, are you a teacher in London or do you just come into various schools? How do you get connected with, with the uh, youth? Well, even though in the schools I go, they define me as a music teacher. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a typical uh, music teacher. First of all, because I do as an extracurriculum. 
my classes are not part, the, uh, part of the standard curriculum. And second, because I, I invented the thing myself. Um, the, and the intention is also to learn musical skills, but is, is also to know the world through, through music. So it's a different concept. And I go in different schools. Um, majority are Montessori preschools. Yeah. And um, I, I do regular classes on a weekly basis, except for a couple of them that they want me to go two times a week. And probably when I was cut off, I was saying that when I go two times a week in a school, uh, instead of doing two times the same kind of session, the second session I do, I bring a speaker and, uh, for, and a few drums. So what we do, we discover the, the different, different songs from different music, music genre, um, kind of music from different parts of the world. And then I invite everyone either to come a turn to drum with me for, uh, you know, on top of the song and in the rest of the uh, of the children, they, they are invited to dance, to dance as free as they want, to really discover the, you know, the freedom in the movement. And first of all, this is, again, the, um, allowing them to know uh, what kind of music is played in different countries and what kind of music was created in different countries. And, uh, and secondly, is really inviting them to um, go and move without that sense of this is right, this is wrong. I have to move in a certain way because the teacher is saying it. Yeah. It's really inviting them to connect within, either when they play the drums, either either when they um, when they dance. That would be hard for me because I'd be, I'd be rigid, I'd be stuck, and I'd be worried about how I looked. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. you're trying to break them out of that and feel feel the movement through their, through their body. That's one, the, the monks that I, that trained me um, used to do that every day at, uh, before lunch, they had to move, they had to dance and um, they had to do uh Bharatanatyam, Indian, Indian classical dance. But, um, but you say the, the, the monks who, who trained you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was a monk some years ago like buddhist or other kind of monks a hindu hindu okay yeah great so yeah. let's go back to how did all this begin alex what got you into teaching this i was um, i was traveling and often when i was traveling i was carrying my portable didgeridoo i see the didgeridoo almost like the start of the the instruments, you know, in a, in a way. First of all, because despite what they say, apparently the Aborigine in Australia, they were there since before the cultures that we know, before even the Sumerians, 10,000 years ago or something like that. And, uh, and also the, the, the quality of the didgeridoo is, you know, when you play any other instruments, normally you have like notes, steps, very defined steps. The didgeridoo, you don't have that. It's like waves, yeah? You, you, you have waves that they are floating around the, the main note of the didgeridoo that can vary. So if a didgeridoo is in E, the drone is in E, 
is not always keeping the E is going slightly above, slightly below. Is and is that's why our bodies they are recognizing the sound of the digital in a, in a, in a different way. It's like it's more organic, it's more natural. It's like uh, the energies in the air, they are not really like in steps, right? It's more like in waves. And apart from that, basically, I was I was traveling with my, my portable digeridoo and- um, How big I is met... this? How big is this thing that you're traveling with? Because huh? a didgeridoo is big. Yeah, but this one was a um, portable plastic digeridoo you could screw in pieces, yeah? Oh, so I can't came... remember that. Yeah, like this basically in a, in a bag, you know, and then you, you, you put it all together and it became like one meter 80, something like that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, so, I interrupted. So it was very easy to carry. And then in my travels, I met different people from different countries uh, playing different traditional instruments. And suddenly I found myself through the music, through, through the digiridoo, uh, meeting other people and playing jamming together. Uh, like, I don't know, I met this guy um, uh, playing a berenbao in Thailand. But what is that? What is a berenbao? A berenbao is a, is a um, Brazilian instrument uh, that looks like uh, an arch. Yeah. Oh. And you play on the, on the single string, you play with a, with a stick, basically. Oh. And then you hold, you hold uh, uh, the string from the on the bottom and you change the sound. Uh, and you also have a, a little stone while you hold while you hold this string. And now I'm not really, um, yeah, I don't know too much about Berimbau. I've seen it after. What they, they use it in uh, capoeira. Uh, in, you know the capoeira, the Brazilian capoeira, yeah? yeah. They, while they dance, they often use the Berimbau. Also, the capoeira is from Brazil, right? Yeah. Um, so I met this guy, and uh, we we jammed together. And even though it was not perfectly matched the right key, it wasn't sounding bad. And I thought, wow, if I find a uh, if I find a berimbau in the same key of a digital, I'm sure it's gonna sound great. And then I met someone else. Um, where was he? Um, I don't remember, but he had he had um. Damoy, Vietnamese Damoy, I think it was in India. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I have my DJ, and then we were playing together. And then I always thought, wow, it would be amazing one day to like gather all these instruments somehow. And, you know, my initial idea was creating a massive band with all instruments from all over the world. As far as they match the key, mm. it's going to sound great. And uh, so, when I came in London, you know, uh, as you know, London is this, almost like the center of the world. There are all cultures here. Uh, it's a huge metropolis. I met so many musicians and um, I started to do jam sessions. And, you know, this jam session, they still continue. Um, but basically, when um, five years ago, my, my ex told me, uh, you know, we, we are having a baby, you are becoming father. Then I was, <laughs> at the time I was living in a community center and it was not easy to find a flat. And long story short, I was really looking for a 
for a, for a job and ideally with music. Um, and then I remember that woman, a woman just contacted me and said, you know, I was coming to your concerts. Would you like to do some music classes for my school? And she, she, I, she owns um, Montessori preschool, yeah? And then I say, yeah, of course, I'm coming. And she, she let me really do whatever I wanted, yeah? So the first thing I thought, okay, I took, at the time I didn't have the world map, like a, the big rug and all that. I just took my world map from the wall and I, have a, I had a few instruments and I went there and I, I did that. We just explored the, the world and showcased some instrument. And then, you know, I gave some drums and we played together. And she liked it so much that she hired me twice a week. She recommended me to a second and the second to a third. In, in a few months, I had five schools already. Oh, wow. Yeah, it went really quick. And um, yeah, it was, um, it, it went very quick. And then of course, with the lockdown, it slowed down, but, but now it's kicking in again. And now I'm, um, I have an agency that is working on it to make it like a franchise so that other people can do the same. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so that was, that was five years ago you started to turn it into a career yeah yeah and so now your your baby is five years old yeah she will be five uh, in may ah mine yeah. just turned one. Oh, okay nice one it's, it changed your life isn't it yeah yeah it's a lot so you you still only have the one or do you have more no only one i i'm not with her mother anymore but I see her very often. I have her three times a week. And uh, yeah, yeah, she, she, she has the opportunity to see all the instruments and try a lot of them. She likes especially the harmonica. She likes to dance. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, wow. So what was I going to say? Rokas, I was going to interrupt unless you had something. I have a few things, but okay, go feel ahead, free. Go ahead. I'll, okay. I'll get lost somewhere else. So what made you embark on your travels in the first place? Was it just a need to explore or was there more to it? Mm. Need to explore, yeah. yeah it's a, a big part of it. I remember I was in a, in a small city. I, I was raised in a small city in, in Italy, 50,000 people, something like Canterbury, right? And um, it was nice. It was I had a lot of friends and um, and all but I always felt like I don't know it's hard to explain like I want to go somewhere else I want to see something else I want to see other kind of people cultures and things so um, so when I got the opportunity to come to London was uh, I was 20, 21 I think I came here for studies but then after six months I, I had to go back and my intention was, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to London. I, have, I had one year to finish my studies. And my idea was, as, far, as soon as I finish, I go back there. But in that year, I met a French girl she, that was, uh, came over to Italy for holidays. And then um, I got together with this girl. And then, you know, my plan changed. From, uh, from London, I went to France. So after finished with this girl and then I went to Luxembourg, Luxembourg, then Germany, Luxembourg back again. 
And then at the end of my years in Luxembourg, where I, I had some bands in Luxembourg, I was just singing mainly or uh, playing some, some percussion or singing. And then I remember that I, I found, you know, um, I wanted to explore even deeper the music, the power of music. And also I was interested in shamanism. I came across some books of uh, Castaneda. And then I was really interested in shamanism and music. So I was, I was like, you know, researching what can I do? What can I, can I find about music and shamanism? And uh, I remember after a while, I discovered that there was this woman in Milan. At the time I was still in Luxembourg, but this woman was in Milan and uh, she was doing shamanic trans dance. Yeah, so I went to see her and after having seen other people into holistic things, and that no one convinced me at all. I was very skeptical uh, in general about things. When I saw her, you know, I really felt this, this woman is very down to earth. And yet she's talking about something very deep. I want to see something more. And then she invited me over for a weekend for shamanic transdance. And I remember the first weekend I did that. Three days, they seemed to me like a month. They were so intense. And it's about what you were saying, Raj, uh, like uh, about dancing. Um, we, we basically, we, we were dancing completely invited to completely let go, allow the body to move as free as he wants, but blindfolded, yeah, wow. with, um, with some music, tribal music. So first there was an introduction of uh, this shamanic practitioner. And then we had to set an intention. We had to breathe deeply and, and set an intention and allow the body to move free. Even if the body was like doing strange movement, you can imagine after hours dancing blindfolded tribal music, you know, your body sometimes react in an unpredictable way. Yeah. And it's not like going to clubbing and looking around for, for girls and just adjusting your mood. It's just really like the opposite basically is allowing yourself to be completely free. And while so the, the blindfold, the blindfold must, um, you know, it shuts off your ability to judge. So you're going based hundred percent on feeling and sound. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Only the, uh, only this woman and a couple of assistants, they were allowed to, they weren't wearing the, the blindfold, they were around, mainly also to, uh, you know, uh, avoid us to smash into each other, yeah. Uh, but they had- <laughs> Oh, you were standing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I, I visualized you guys sitting down, but you were, you were standing and moving. Oh, yeah, 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 proper dance, yeah, yeah. And they had, they had uh, pillows, so if, Two people, they were continuously coming, bumping into each other. They were coming, you know, just putting out a pillow in between. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing, like, after this first time, you know when something changes and you can't go back to the, 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 the life of before? Yes. I had to continue with these things. I had to. And then I went to another one. It was 10 days. So 10 days where most of the day you are blindfolded doing these practices, yeah? In a, in, a, in, a, in a community center, in a Osho center that was in the middle of the, in Tuscany, in the countryside. And then after that, one thing after another, I met the, the world of Osho, 
I, I don't know if you know Osho, Rajnesh. No. You know these oh, people? Oh, 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 Osho. Yeah, yeah, Osho. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then after I went to live in an Osho community and I did other practice and all that. And, uh, and then basically, long story short, after all this period of, you know, experiences in, in, in Osho community and shamanism, um i was broke really and and uh, i met this girlfriend at the end of the the, um, uh, the my staying there in the osho world and we we were both broke and we said okay where do we go now and then have you heard of the uh uh woofing woofing and work away yes yes woofing yeah so through that we we went to scotland and then you, oh, so okay. for but for our, for listeners who don't know, uh, this yeah. is backpacking, living to work on a farm, you know, working for your meal and 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 staying underneath the roof. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So basically, they give you food and accommodation in change of twenty-four five hours a week of work. Which I recommend. Uh, that is something that I recommend to a lot of young people that I uh mentor i think we talk about it a lot on this podcast people ask me you know if they should do what i did which was live in a monastery but uh i recommend people uh travel the world go to a farm work uh, and uh for for your you know instead of paying rent just work on a farm get your get involved with soil growing food and things like that and yeah, yeah. Uh, wolf around and woofing, yeah, is specifically for gardening or yeah. permaculture and all. But uh, work away is the same thing, but it's more generic. You can, I ended up painting uh, walls for our hotel or whatever things they need. Yeah. Yeah. And you're and, in your 20s. We're, we're in your 20s in this part of the story. Oh, uh, so basically, oof. so basically my uh, in the twenties, I know I was in France, Luxembourg, and then right. end of my twenties, I want to leave Luxembourg. I go to the Osho community. Oh, so that was a long relationship with the French woman. No, no. In the meantime, I had I had um, uh, a Portuguese girlfriend and a German one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. it's good Luxembourg because you have uh, you know it's in the middle of France, Germany, you know, and Belgium and all that. You have a good choice there. And uh, anyway, yeah, I was uh, with a French girlfriend. It lasted for another couple of years. And then after I moved to Luxembourg, then Germany, then back to Luxembourg. And then at the end of my 20s, basically, I really so wanted to. Explore. When you were, you got into your 30s and then started to, to, to discover uh, mysticism. Uh, yeah, you started to practice mysticism. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. I was Got interested it. since a long time, but I never really jumped into it. Yeah. Right. Um, you just played. You just played music. Or no, I didn't. There was no music at that time. At the time, I was playing music, but it was not my main uh, source of income. I was uh, doing graphic design. Uh, what? Uh, well, what kind of music was before the? The didgeridoo before this kind of tribal music what kind of music was were we talking about 
I was singing for a psychedelic rock band. Oh. And then I was singing for a um, for a punk rock band. And then before then, I was singing for a blues rock band. So, yeah. So then even the nature of your music your musical development had has evolved and 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 expanded to this higher consciousness higher minded kind of soul connecting type of grounding music very different yeah even though i have to say i'm getting back to the to this to the origin i think like i i like you know i like uh, also these kind of uh, music that grounds you and all that but um i'm i'm kind of getting bored with uh with sound bath and mm -hmm. uh new age music uh -huh. i mean it, it's good but it's not something that i enjoy as much as uh for example merging psychedelic rock with tribal music fast rhythms you know these kind of things uh but yeah i'm yeah well that so leads to the so have you, but what about the age group, you know, have you had a chance to teach uh, middle-aged or adults where you can actually start talking about why the music is so important, you know, and then they understand from a philosophical concept um, because the children, it's nice um, and they really can, can learn a lot, but it sounds like you you need a challenge maybe to start merging the philosophy with the sound. I would say yes and no, in a way. I think that, especially in the people very much into spiritualism, um, not only, not only, there's a lot of conceptualizing. While the reason why I think music is so special is that we are not thinking when we play music, we are not really making um, a philosophy out of it. Ideas, the yeah, state, you're right. The state in which we are when we play music, that is great. Yeah. We, we relax. We don't ponder things. We don't think, uh, we don't think, oh, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should not, oh, maybe this is too much, or we just, normally we just go for it. And that's my, also my intention, because some people, when they are, adults uh, because we have many jam sessions every week uh, apart from my schools and uh, there are people coming and maybe it's the first time they touch a drum and uh, they start they are afraid to do mistakes they look around they don't yeah. want to be too loud we well, think do, too much yeah kids they don't normally All right uh, they they just go for it and uh, from, key, from being a, a child who really goes free to an adult who is afraid to make mistakes, something has been kind of wrong in between, yeah? So my, yeah. Idea, my, my aim is really to make them feel you are right. There's no right and wrong here. Just trust, trust yourself, go for it. And the more they do, especially if they start to love the music from very early stages and they allow themselves to try without worrying about being wrong or right, they grow with that confidence. They, they trust the inner rhythm. Mm -hmm. They don't rely on someone else telling them this is the right way or not. 
-hmm. In mm -hmm. fact, you can see some children like uh, they they get they get passionate with, with with the jambe, for example, the African jambe, and is is amazing. I mean, five years old kids they play drums like incredibly, incredibly. And then you know, if you start at that age, you will become a phenomenal musician. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No doubt, and this affects also your 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 way of being. In not only the, when you play music, it influences the whole the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Like I have this friend, yeah, he's from um, Senegal. He he walks like like this, yeah, but he's not like his his posture is like power, yeah, mm -hmm. but he's not like arrogant, like you know, like no, it's just powerful you know the way he dance is incredible the way he plays drums and then he told me that basically in his tribe when he was uh, four or five they we were calling him the, uh, the the dancer in their language i don't remember how they say but the dancer and he said that even children at the time was used they were used to put chairs and then people drumming people dancing it was something like a routine and uh, it was very much about letting them go not telling them oh you should dance like this or that they were not classes about how to dance they were just doing it and um, yeah for him is is natural it's really part of his life mm -hmm, you can mm -hmm. tell also from the way he's confident yeah he, he he doesn't speak english very well he has many you know um yeah he speaks in a very simple way and yet he doesn't mind about like you know speaking about any kind of topics in front of many people even you know he doesn't really um have any kind of inhibition mm. and yeah that's my aim I, I think that if everyone imagine if that's a bit utopic maybe but imagine if every child gets a massive push of self-confidence i don't think the self-confidence brings to um arrogance or power no, not necessarily no no because when someone is self-confident um he's also relaxed in himself or herself yes doesn't need doesn't need to show off it doesn't need to demonstrate anything to anyone yeah and then you know it, it that this will affect all the new generation in, in a great way mm. and i don't see anything better than music in a way because anything else you do with kids and you sit down and you tell them stuff it is not going to have the same effect in my opinion mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as powerful as impactful yeah yeah i mean uh it, that just reminds me of my you know being around my daughter her her uh thing the things she connects with the most and i guess a lot of things for children um are musically related things toys always have music in them the shows um coco melon is her favorite show it, it has mm. all music and she one of the first things that she knows how to do without thinking about it is to to move and she she actually dances and everything no one no one said this is how you dance and this is what you do she just hears sound and then she starts to move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she, she's standing now. She she's walking. She 
she cannot walk uh, by herself, but she can stand and uh, she has a little musical stroller that she can push along and it plays music and stuff. Great, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You will see in a couple of months, she's already running. <laughs> yeah, I've heard I've heard that those are um, hectic times because you're now running after them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Every every stage is great. Also when they start to talk and make proper sentences. Yeah. Everything is is great. Yeah. So going back to your travels, Alex, what important lessons can be learned from the different cultures you have experienced? So you've said one already of, I'd say, freedom of the soul, letting your soul loose. Are there other things you would add to that? Definitely. Well, um, I think is um, uh, is a medicine against racism. I don't think racism is something innate. It, it comes with the time. Um, eventually, it's not that everyone is, but in, partially maybe there's a, there's a part in everyone that is tense with the age to go into uh, racism in different degrees. And I think that starting when, when they are so young, they are like sponges. And um, if you make for them normal to show them a didgeridoo and to show them a picture of an Aboriginal man and tell them what they do, then they they are they're not saying oh that's weird that's uh, you know stuff like that's really weird or so on they 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 will not label the things like um, strange weird or different they will start naturally to think okay we are many different kinds in the world and maybe they start also to love what they do these other people because they know the sound of the the damoy for example or, by the way this is a damoy yeah. Mm. What does uh, that do? Is a is a mouth harp from you know the ethnicity uh, Hmong of Thailand. Uh, sorry, Vietnam. I, I've heard of it vaguely. So basically, they they wear dresses with these colors, yeah. And this is the case of the instrument, yeah. They is all in fabric, and well, wood inside and fabric. And this is the instrument, the metal. And I heard that they make these recently, probably since the war of Vietnam, they recycle the bullets left over from the war and they make instruments. Oh, wow. And the sound. Oh, wow. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't see that there was a separate piece that can that uh, uses makes for vibration. It's yeah. There, there's a little. I yeah. see the, the bass. Basically, yeah. when you move these. Uh, let's see. You, you see, it's going up and. Down. Oh yes, yes. There it is. There it is. Yeah. And so, and so okay, we've we've heard this sound before. The, this sound, this instrument, this sound, has um, gone elsewhere. 
Uh, well, what, what do you mean? I mean, this kind of instrument. Is, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, because it's a mouth harp and there are many different kind of mouth harps in the world yeah. with different shapes. Uh, this is a bit unique and it's the one I prefer because this one, you don't put it straight into your teeth. You just roll your lips like that. And you can do fast rhythm, rhythms pretty easily with this. There are others from Hungary, from Italy, from Russia, where the um, you, you put it in your teeth really, and then when, when you when you play, you feel I feel the, the teeth vibrating. Yeah, it's probably you have to get used to, but I don't yeah like it too much uh, that, for that for that reason. But it sounds great as well, and um, the shape uh, is a bit different. It has a kind of circular part here, and mm. then it goes straight. Um, other kind of metal as well. They are normally dark metal. I'm not sure what kind of metal. And um, yeah. So before talking about the Damoy, what was I saying? You were, well, um, you said something interesting, which I agree with, um, which is which is that one of your most profound realizations has been that racism is not innate and and it's learned. It's not something that we just come up with in our DNA. It's, we pick it up along the way because children learn from um, mimicking adults and mirroring yeah. adults, which I, I agree with that 100%. Um, yeah, you, you, it's, and that's why children and young people, I see, I don't work with children, but I work with, with young people. Um, in their teens and older. But uh, the first thing I tell a student who has been closed off from experience is to get experience, to, to leave where they're from as soon as possible, as soon as it's practical and logical and, and appropriate and go and learn something else. See other people, talk to other people how, and look at how other people live and that allows for perspective. And without perspective, we're in this little bubble and we don't really know that much. And, and, and life is too short um, to learn um, just off our own experience. We need the experience of others. We need books, we need culture, mythology, history. Um, and we need to absorb that to actually know enough by the time we die. Because if we don't, if we try to just live one life uh it will be incomplete we need to live uh briefly other people's lives and other people's experiences and cultures in order to have a fully developed um uh experience yeah definitely i i agree and and yet you can't you can't do everything no and sometimes you have to adjust your expectations also like if you love to travel continuously and then you have a son or a daughter you may have to yeah compromise and all that but in general traveling discovering other cultures it's like relaxes you it opens your brain it opens your power of acceptance and then curiosity mm. and uh, yeah definitely yeah. so we have freedom of soul about reducing or completely annihilating racism 
from a young age. Um, this is to do with my question before. Is there more to add to that about what you can learn from experience in all the different cultures? Um, okay, uh, the question is not from my classes, but from, from, from the fact, the sole fact of meeting other cultures, right? Yes, or either way, whichever you want to answer, you can answer. Because, uh, yeah, I thought that another very good thing is the, 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 the fact of um, learning uh, the skills of uh, musical instruments from a very young age. Um, I see, I see it in, uh, in, in many children, like I, my, my cousin, the, the son of my cousin, he, uh, he's not particularly extroverted, not really. But since he started to learn the guitar, this opened for him, for him so many doors, so many friendships and, uh, and also confidence, yeah. Uh, and um, the fact that he's playing guitar, and he's playing guitar really, really well, allows him to, yeah, to create other kind of deeper connection with people and uh, having some projects, some dreams that otherwise, especially now, that the children are not used to to meet as much as before outdoor uh, is very important. Like I remember when I, this cousin of mine is still living in the same street I was born. Yeah, um, when I was, you know, a, a child, and then yeah, mainly when I was a child, in my street, we all the children of that street were meeting in the street. We were playing football. You know, we were yeah. playing in general, going by bikes here and there. It doesn't happen anymore. It no, it just doesn't happen. Uh, um, it can be related to many things. Probably a lot about the technology, the video games, the the socials, and all that that capture a lot of attention for. That. And, and then also, these kind of uh, fear. You know, the watching too much mainstream uh, news. Fear, fear of fear of child abduction. Fear of of uh, children going outside and and uh, yeah, something happened to them. That's huge. And and actually, child abduction is at an all time low historically. Is that were you were you going somewhere with that or did I? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, the fe fear, uh, the, yeah, of, of that, of fear that, you know, there are too many cars nowadays passing, mm -hmm. it's dangerous for that, it's dangerous for that, the other things, then now it's dangerous also for the virus, it's dangerous, for... and maybe yeah. they say, oh, yeah, that's normal, because now we are, we are eight billions, and uh, we were only three billions, uh, like, some years ago. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just know that it's not very healthy. I just know yeah. that it's not very healthy. So that's why having a project with a band, for example, is so important. It allows the children to have something else than going home and watching TV or playing video games. Mm -hmm. uh, it, uh, you know, it allows them to have reasons to meet with other children and create something together, other, other teenagers and, and create something together. Um, Can I ask you a question? Do you wish it was easier to get involved with acad academics um, in a school without traditional education? Have you ever been frustrated by the fact that 
you know, maybe you don't have some kind of license or something. And, and I don't, well, maybe Montessori and well, and Montessori has been an accepting kind of channel for your teachings, but, uh, but it's not, in my experience, it's not easy to get involved with schools uh, unless you go through a traditional school path yourself, which I didn't. Yeah. So it's been challenging. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah, it's not easy. Honestly, because I had straight away those schools and uh, one was normal, the other four were Montessori. I didn't even have the time then to look too much for others, but I remember that there were two primaries interested and due to the fact that I didn't insist too much because, you know, uh, and or also that, you know, they, they were like let, telling me to wait because they, they had to, I don't know, decide before, blah, blah. It never really happened. Uh, but now with these, with these uh, franchise thing, um, when, you know, I'll see that the classes that can go on without really me being there all the time, I will dedicate myself more to entering in, in uh, uh, bigger schools, like primary, secondary, and so on. And um, uh, before, I, I did a few in primaries, but they were a, a one-off for certain events that they have. Because otherwise they have, yeah, they have the curriculum is very important and they only in the extra curriculum, you can eventually have some time for doing your yeah. things. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely, that's that's a, that's an aim I have because I think that of course you need to readapt these classes for uh, older, but uh, it is it, already really enjoyable for adults as well because um, I do also I was doing not anymore because now I'm moving house a bit farther from there, but I was doing a regular class for children up to twelve and their parents in a community center in Wembley. And uh, it was great. I mean, they loved it. You know, also the, the parents, they loved it. And um, so it's pretty easy to involve also the elder one when you have lots of drums, lots of didgeridoos, lots of instruments, guitars and stuff. It's pretty easy. Yeah. And of course, the way you talk to them, the way you present the tribes and, and things should change, uh, should adapt. But you know, it's something, it's a very simple concept at the end, and it, it can fit everywhere. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Have you found it easy to connect with um, children? Is that something that's come natural to you? Or is it, do you, do you, do you say the music has really been your guide? Um, well, probably, I think, for me, it was pretty easy. Yeah, even though at the very start, <laughs> you have to get used to because they tell you everything on the face. Yeah. Or they, they, they say something completely <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're complete. And then, you know, you just get, you have to get used to. And sometimes, sometimes when they put too many kids in the same class, and there are a few that are, especially male males boys that are a bit agitated yeah yeah not only boys eh? in general when they are too agitated and there are three or four that you know they stay together and they challenge each other to the to be the most you know noisy one 
And uh. it's challenging. It's challenging. And and but then I learned uh, that I have to be an entertainer as much as yeah. a music teacher or whatever. I have to be an entertainer. I have I never stop talking unless when it's really the moment to, you know, everyone has to be silent and all that. I have to continuously capture their attention. Yeah. And, and make the things interesting. Because they don't lie. If they are bored, they just tell you, this is boring, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then there are other two teachers now, or one teacher there. And then you feel like, fuck, don't tell this, you know? Uh, and no, at the end, I think that is not probably for everyone. You need a little bit of attitude of uh, like uh, liking to talk a lot and, you know, be and an perform. entertainer perform and all that and, uh, and and you need to be very patient very very patient mm -hmm. um and uh, for me i only do half normally half hour class then i do another class half hour and another one and then i change school but i always thought the teachers that are there eight hours well not eight hours in the schools it's a bit less but still when they are all in the same school continuously in a class for hours and hours and maybe they have the new the new children that they start to cry from the morning and they end in the evening it is intense yeah it's yeah. very intense i mean poor children i can imagine is very intense mostly for them when they are new and they are scared of course mm -hmm. but yeah to work there you need you need the patience for sure mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that must be something that is coming up with the uh the idea of the franchise you're gonna have to with a franchise always has to find the right franchisee who who's fit for that even if I mean, anyone can come to you and, and with enough uh you know skill or or money but it but but can they can they actually you know are they the right fit is something that i guess has to be thought about yeah the good thing is of the franchise versus having someone working for you is that someone that comes that just wants a job, you never know. Maybe he doesn't have the right attitude or you discover it later. But if it is a franchise, it's someone who wants their own business. Yeah. And uh, they pay a fee up front. For my yeah. things will not be too high, but still it's pretty, you know, yeah. it's relevant. And uh, unless someone is not really willing to do a good, you know, do something that you know believes at least partially believe in that he's not gonna do it because you know because you have to invest invest uh, yourself invest your your money into it so uh, i will i will definitely i have a training for them and everything and i will tell them really what is about and you know in the way that they know what to expect but when they make a decision of paying the initial fee, I guess that they they, they, they know, you know, that if they are really wanting to do it or not. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I have an assistant now that she's starting. Uh, oh, tomorrow. Today is Monday. Yeah, tomorrow. Uh, and because I moved, uh, my ex and my daughter, they moved to the other side of the city. And because I have my daughter three times a week, I don't want to always, you know, like bring my daughter here and then back there. So I will go to the other side. And then it will be a lot of driving for me. 
uh, but I don't want to, you know, stop the, the classes in these schools I have since uh, a long time. So this woman, she's living next to these schools in the same area. She's really a good fit. She's really, you know, she, she's really good with kids. She's, uh, she's extroverted and she already worked in nurseries. So, um, and the technical skills that she has to learn, you know, then she doesn't need to become a great musician in a, in a short time. As, as far as she can drum a little bit and sing along, play, strum some guitar and make some songs, play some flute and stuff. Um, you know, that would be fine. So yeah, that's uh, where I am at now. And it's good that I have this assistant now. One, because one day, you know, I can leave her most of the school so that I don't have to drive around continuously. And uh, two, because I'm in the process now of making the videos of the training of how to do this. So ah, yeah, yeah. So like a package, you know, so yeah. Yeah, I had to do the same thing for uh, a curriculum that I created for my students. So yes, what, I, I, what are you what do you do? Oh, I made a, a well, I have a nonprofit called Zen Mind Academy. It teaches people uh, Zen technique and meditation, but also um, how to be an adult, how to how to mature, how to give back and be humble and, and practical concepts related to these often complex or vague Eastern philosophical teachings. So um, daily habits to just be more more uh, more of a meditative person. And not just meditation, which is complicated at times. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. So I was saying the same things to the same people, to different people and, and groups. And uh, it was exhausting. I, I couldn't do all of my projects. So I decided to create this digital platform um, and via, you know, um, videos and uh it's it works well so if someone is interested they just sign up with that and they do that first before um one-on-one -on -one. so i don't have to go through all the basics uh, all the time that's great and what what uh, platform did you use teachable teachable okay uh, yeah very easy i've used a few uh, but teachable okay. has been my favorite check it out i'm gonna write it down yeah Great. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So I, I don't know how much time you have, Alex, but maybe just a few more minutes. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, I have one question. So I'm, I'm a mystic, right? So that that's where my perspective comes from is pulling out knowledge uh, from within yourself and, and focusing on, uh, that as a more permanent place than in the outer world uh and obviously you you not only traveled but you discovered uh shamanism and and explored it and and that is a mist that is one of the oldest mystical uh paths there is and especially with direct experience not just um, abrahamic religions where you god is separate but in shamanism, you're transforming yourself through practice, right? So what would you say your, well, 
maybe there's a few questions here, but do you, did you experience anything that you, that you still use with you every day? I mean, you said once you experience something, it becomes a part of you. You, you don't let it go. And, and in specifically with some sort of mystical realization or insight from those, those times, um, is there anything that you still have that is uh, guiding your life um, at the forefront hmm. mystically? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and it's not, I, I, I started to, to, to kind of abandon many, many, definitions on 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 these uh, spirituality and, and and stuff i don't i don't like to to really speculate too much on these um but um but what is really there is uh let's say i'm driving let's say someone is you know cutting my way with his car or doing something that gets on my nerves. That there are not just two options there. There are three. What I mean is that you may think, maybe people would think you have two options. One, you, you shout, you react, eh? and the other one, you just keep it inside and you don't do anything. Or maybe you transform it, you know. That, what 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 I what happens in me is like if I'm really angry, yeah, due to the point, starting from the point that it, it really pisses me off. I I I basically transform this rage. I embrace this rage. And even if this is just a small example, it's very it's very symbolic. For, for many other things. Like sometimes during the day, and it can be at work when someone say something or when, when children, they shout too much, they don't listen, or when uh, someone is um, saying something that offends you or whatever. Instead of unconsciously, uh, unconsciously finding myself you know, we're, we're stuck here with the rage and not able, being able to say anything or to shout back. Instead of doing that, it's is a different way of embracing this rage in this example. Mm -hmm. um, to the point that I, I continue with the example of the car because it's very, it's, it's easier to, 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 to understand. It's basically, I remember one time I was really angry because this guy, because basically where that was where I cut his way, but I didn't really meant to to do it in a bad way. And there was to me there was enough space, but this guy got pissed off. And then he was crazy, it was a little crazy because he he went next to my car, pulled down the window, and he threw a couple of stones on my car. Oh man. And then he escaped and he turned left. And I was so enraged that I followed him. And then he, I couldn't find him. And then I just, I was just, okay, no, 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 breathe, breathe. Because I was going to see some friends and I thought, 
Now, if I go like this, I was almost there. I'm not gonna even enjoy. I feel like so fucking pissed off. Yes. And then instead of going in these uh, blah, 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 I started to breathe a lot here in the chest. And I was feeling this rage here. And I was breathing, 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 breathing. It's almost I was like giving more space to my chest. I was giving more space to this feeling in the chest. And then suddenly, suddenly I have a kind of, uh, you know how to explain, it's like this same vibe it didn't make me feel angry anymore. It was making me feel excited. It switched my mood in a second. It's hard to... Yeah. And these things happen often to me uh, since, you know, since I, I work on it. And it's very important for me. It's so important because otherwise I stay stuck in stuff and I carry the stuff. And, stuff. and for me, it doesn't work like saying, Oh, I have to forgive him uh, because this that. it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I have to do something to, to, to take this energy that is so strong, this vibe that is so, you know, potentially destructive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I like to turn it on. Um, yeah. I wonder if there's a way to, uh, I mean, I can imagine creating a, uh, a teaching course based on uh, uh, channeling your frustrations through a musical instrument. Like, I mean, like a didgeridoo, if you breathed into it, it's kind of exhausting. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if, if a child or the kid is really frustrated, they can go in their room and just <laughs> slam right into a didgeridoo. <laughs> Definitely. You know, you know what? I, I got a tattoo for a promotional thing. So the guy, the tattoo guy had a nice video, you know, and then I had a tattoo and also I could use the video for my YouTube channel. And I mm -hmm. got the tattoo for free while I was playing the didgeridoo. You uh. can find it online, tattoo, didgeridoo, or tattoo while playing didgeridoo, you'll find it. Okay. And it was so painful sometimes sure. that I was shouting, shouting in the didgeridoo, fuck off, but like, <laughs> you know, in the dish and, um, I didn't, did I tell him? I don't remember if I told him after, but that I was shouting there. But anyway, yeah, um, it helps. Definitely. Yeah, moving the pains. That, that's something that, that a mystic focuses on is uh, moving your awareness, moving it, controlling it, right? It, but but that's, that's everyone's practice, but it's it's only part of the picture. We, we don't just control ourselves but we can we need to move that feeling those energies that awareness somewhere else so like you say your chest can almost absorb the feeling and then your breath needs to to take it somewhere do something with it or else we stay there right we you know and and, and people um they become toxic in their body and, and unhealthy because they have stuck energy. Their awareness is stuck. Maybe they've been able to control it somehow, but if they haven't moved it or express it differently, uh, it kind of can stay there and it's not good. So yeah. I can imagine the didgeridoo as almost like a, those that, that, that is pulling it out of you through that instrument. And I would think that 
most musicians would would agree that that their their instrument uh, can can almost take things from them. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like with like artists with paintings. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, and is 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 a lot related to uh, the, the your your attention. Where does it go? Your attention. Like when I was breathing in, I was not just breathing. I was like all myself was observing the sensation with breathing without being distracted at all. Just just so present. That something happened, and the same when you play an instrument, it is because it, it captures your attention completely. You are not in the mind anymore, and then the real release happens. Yeah, yeah. Did you ask the question you wanted to at the start, Raj? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, there's so much, there's so much there. There's not enough time to go over your, I mean, how old are you now, Alex? 44. 44. Yeah. And so your, your European travels began around in your twenties. Right. But I left Italy at 21. Yeah. 21. So, uh, I mean, there's like a, there's a book there. There's like a movie there that I, <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it sounds like your twenties were very fun. Uh, and then you, you stayed at this Osho facility and Osho is a character. Uh, you, you actually, did you meet him when he was alive? No, he, he, he died in 91. And at the time I wasn't into that. Uh, uh yeah, those were interesting facilities. Also, they, they do movement as well uh, through trance uh yeah it get kind of weird when i was in the community there were some mandatory meditations yeah yeah we call it meditation but they are not like what someone would think of when they say meditation basically six i was waking up at 6 45 i was running in this buddha hall yeah and um there were other people and either you were blindfolded either just with eyes closed and the first part you have to breathe chaotically yeah <laughs> no it's more like like with the nose and uh, you you focus on the out only on the out breath and you allow the in breath to happen by itself <laughs> oh, okay and, okay and chaotically so that basically you you stop your compulsive thinking Yes. from the very start of your morning uh-huh. and then the second part was the catharsis you scream you laugh you cry you yes. jump you allow everything that comes out to be externalized completely right but everyone is focused on themselves so there's no interaction in that meditation yeah even though right. everyone is in the room uh, it's, it looks like a madhouse if you go there and watch because of course everyone someone is screaming someone is laughing yeah i've is- seen it <laughs> You've seen it, yeah. Uh, and, and also, you know, if you have a problem with the, someone and you, you, you know, because they're in the community, you live with, I was living with the same 40 people. It happens that some, someone maybe pisses you off and you, it's not like a big city where you say, well, I'm not going to see this guy. I'm going to go somewhere else. He pisses you off. You see it again and again because he's in the community. 
So you were invited to, you had a pillow, yeah? You had to imagine to kill the, the person <laughs> consciously so that basically all the anger, you release it out, yeah? And it's, it's magical, Raj. It's like you do that and may, very often, even if you were really annoyed with the person, you do that meditation, at the end of it, you are fine. Yeah. You see him again and you are fine. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, that anger stays with you for days and days. And mm -hmm. weeks, baby. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, lifetime! Your whole life. Yeah. Yeah, and and there were other paths to this meditation, but just to say that every morning, I was doing that, and uh, you know, you, you there are people liking Osho, other people disliking for for things he was doing or not doing, but at the end of it, is not. I mean, the point, at least for me, is not like saying, oh. This person is great. I want to follow him. It's not, I don't care about that. It's like, take what you what is useful for you, for your growth. And uh, those meditations, especially at that time of my life, uh, they were great, you know. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, that's interesting you brought that up. The Osho thing has controversy because he was, I mean, he was a tantric guru, meaning he, he focused on... Um, all kinds of experience through practice. And a lot of the times that for him, that included sex, you know, no, no rules. Um, in some Osho facilities, you know, you, there, it wasn't like a traditional monastery and it, it, it's a different path. And he wasn't against restrictions so much. Uh, yeah. So it wasn't against restriction so much. I can agree in the sense that the invitation for him was to really know what you want and being connected with that. Know, yeah, really what is what you want and why you don't do. Yeah, and maybe you know encourage to be courageous. Yes, and go for yeah. what you want. But about the sex is is what he was saying, and in in big part I agree, is the um, Westerner especially, but not only Westerners, we we are obsessed with sex mm -hmm. because it's very repressed. Well, not, not anymore really now. I mean, in a sense, but in another sense, it is even now. Yes. Uh, I mean, we are not like the monkeys bonobo, right? You know the monkeys that <laughs> they just go what uh, bonobos, yeah. One with another, and then, but if you see them, they are very relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, we are not there. But the point is that because we have too many taboos on something, yeah. then it becomes an obsession. Yes. It's like I, I remember the, the, the thing he was saying someone who wanted to stop smoking, he was giving him more cigarettes. Like as soon as he was finishing one, Smoke even these, smoke another one, smoke no more, smoke more, until he got so disgusted by smoking and <laughs> then he was stopping. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the thing. He, he, um, he, the thing he was saying that if you repress something, it, begins, it, it almost gets stronger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I've, I've, I've uh, dealt with that in my own um, experience as a teacher. Uh, working with young people who are so focused on, um, you know, like anti, uh, 
anti-pornographic move, uh, uh, movements and, and, and groups and things like that. Well, that was a huge foundation for some of my teaching um, and trying to help young people get out of, get out of that, that routine. And I noticed after a few years of trying to help people that they were so focused on staying away from it, that it inner, it made it so much stronger. And, and it was so, um, you know, it was treated like an addiction, like a drug. And uh, it just made it even more enticing. And I realized there's all these little things that you can do. There's all these little techniques that you can do to stop smoking and um, stop using pornography and, and, and alcohol, whatever. But um, I realized that, and maybe not with everything, right? Maybe not with heroin or cocaine, but if you, with, with, with other things, if you um, sort of become busy and become responsible and live, try to live your life and do things and, and, and kind of use your energy uh, towards these things, um, it's quite natural to kind of not have time for your other self, your, your, your lower minded self. Um, and it's, it's about kind of using your energy and not focusing your energy on not doing that thing, but just, just kind of moving on with your life. I noticed that that was kind of the, uh, the ideal way to transcend, uh, you know, addictions. Yeah. 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 It's the same for me when I stopped smoking, I didn't, I didn't want to be too strict. So I, like, even now, if some, there is an occasion, you know, and uh, I don't know, we have, a, we have a coffee and then I feel like a cigarette. Why not? I know yeah. that I'm not going to restart because um, I don't know. I don't feel that, you know, attraction anymore, but I just have one and that's it. And, yeah. and never, no, I stopped a long time ago. It never, I never went back to it. Right. Moderation. And then you realize it doesn't have the same power it used to. Whereas some people, you know, if they make it their mission in life to stop smoking and, and that's all they think about, well, they're probably going to think about smoking a lot more than they did before. I don't know. I don't know. Everyone's different. Everyone's different. It, it's hard to say one thing works for, for someone if it works for someone else. Yeah, yeah. Also, that is very true. We all we all have different journeys, isn't it? different paths. Uh, some people may need some um, um, very strong uh, shamanic experiences with plants, but it's not for everyone. Some people may need uh, Buddhism. Or, or yeah. So, did you did you use uh, psychedelics? Um with the shamans with the and the dancing and being blindfolded not in that context no no that uh, that one is purely without anything um, oh wow yeah that okay. one is just with the dance and uh, basically uh, is based on a work uh, of frank frank natale um frank natale was a guy from uh, from holland from netherlands there is not there anymore and um he basically he traveled uh, the world in different tribes and um, he saw the common denominator in many shamanic tribes and traditions they were even if they were very different they were using the dance 
as a sort of healing, a way of healing. Um, so maybe some uh, in Africa around the fire with drums, some in other places in another in other ways. But we are using the the freedom from dancing freely, basically, um, as a, as a sort of healing. And then he he made it more sim he simplified it for for Westerners, basically, with the blindfold, the fire breath that is uh, two times breathing in with the nose. <laughs> one time out with the mouth. Ah, okay. I teach a fire breath. I didn't know. Ah. Yeah, I teach two. The monks uh, were trained in uh, two times in, two two puffs out through the mouth. Ah, two. No, he was doing more like two in with the nose and one out with the mouth. Okay. Um, and um, and then they and set an intention and, uh, and a few other things that allow your body to move freely. And uh, yeah, he started to then train other, other ones. One of which is the woman who then trained me on this. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, well, Rokas, the only thing I have is the future. I mean, we talked a little bit, right? You're going into the franchise. Um, what, what, what else? I mean, I guess what's the next level of... Um, what elements in life do you want to be involved with and where, where are you going with, with your path now? You've got all these amazing experiences and, and a new family, well, five-year-old. And, and Yeah, yeah. Well, in terms of work, um, we'll, when I will have more time because I will have less classes, I will, I'm aiming to, um, to bring these into different, um, uh, to talk about it, maybe also in universities, you know, or TEDx or, or in different places, you know. Well, that's, why I, that's why I brought it up about the schooling, because I can see you in, around adults, you know, in academic settings, talking about the profound effect of music and everything. Um, yeah, and in, in a university or something, I think that you would thrive in that type of setting. Thanks. Yeah, I should. Yeah, um, it could be just a simple, you know, uh, talking about the the ideas, or also once I will modify my trainings and my things for adults more specifically, uh, and I will investigate a bit more deep into the tribes and all that. I can, you know, also bring more. But the idea is to make it more popular because I think it's very, it's very useful, it's very good, beneficial. For, for children, adults, for everyone. And um, it can be an example for also other subjects, like bring multiculturality in every subject you, are, uh, you, want, to, you want to teach, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I'm really, I would really love to do. And there is an instrument in, you know the Himba tribe in Namibia? No. These um, tribes, they have dreadlocks and they put mud. So they, they look like almost orange because they use a mud that is a bit red orange and they put this mud on their dreadlocks. They are really beautiful to watch basically. And uh, so basically I want to go there because um, one of the things why I got interested into shamanism is because I had very powerful lucid dreaming since I was a child. Oh. And yeah. 
And then uh, basically I was, I was seeing these houses or these houses with the, with the dunes of the deserts inside, yeah? So with sand inside and massive colonial houses. And, uh, and after a few years of dreaming there, I saw that they, that they exist really in Namibia. There is a ghost town, it's called the ghost town, Namibia. And um, because it's abandoned, the dunes of the desert of Namibia, they entered in the houses. They look exactly the same as the one I was dreaming. Wow. And then I also discovered that the tribes, the Himba tribe, that they don't live too far from this ghost town, relatively not too far. Um, they, there's only one video about an instrument that they play. And it looks like a didgeridoo, but it's basically made of uh, with a horn, long horn of a, uh, I don't remember in English the name of this animal with long horn. Um, like a bison or? It doesn't sound like, anyway, um, yeah, it's an animal they have there. is a long horn and at the end they put like, a, it looks like a metallic thing like that to finish it. Mm -hmm. And there's only one video in the whole internet about that, very short. And from the way that they play, maybe it's just an example, maybe not, but it, it, it looks like they don't use the circular breathing. So, you know, the circular breathing is the technique that allows you to play didgeridoo and other instruments without uh, finishing, without, uh, you know, taking a break to break in. Yeah, to breathe in. So, I would love to go there and see, you know, first of all, you know, I would love to see the instrument and then show them my portable didgeridoo. Um, and then, you know, eventually, if they don't know the circular breathing, I would love to teach them that. It'll be, uh, and I'm sure they will teach me something else. Uh, you know, they, they probably know many things that I don't know. So I would love to have a, something like that, make a video. And uh, maybe this would be the start of some, something else, you know, like uh, um, if they found me for this project and the project is interesting for the art, for example, for e England Art Council, then can do the same for other other tribes. I mean, other to me, it sounds like a Netflix documentary. Hmm. That's something that I would watch. Um, man, that's exciting. I mean, that. That's interesting that it ties into the vivid dreams that you've always had. And it's like, that's, there's something about Very your life. profound. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about your life that needs to uh, meet that point for resolution and to move on to the next step or something. I don't know. That's why I, I look forward to, I hope I, uh, we can talk afterwards to, and you can tell us, tell us about it. Oh, definitely. I would love to. Yeah. And you, you probably want to get traveling a lot. Uh, you miss you miss just packing yeah. up and, and going. Now I miss it because, of course, I have my daughter, I have uh, my franchise thing and many other things. And uh, I miss that. And um, I, I always wanted to see South America because in my dreams there were often I saw landscapes, especially the Andes. And... Uh, but then, you know, I went, I went to Chile because the, uh, my daughter is half Chilean. And uh, when I was still with a, with, with a mother, basically, 
the mother of her mother, so the, the grandmother of my, my daughter from the Chilean side, she wanted us over there. So she, she got a, on a plane and we went to visit there. And uh, it was amazing, really. But yeah. yeah, I want to go there again and explore a bit more. There's something there uh, as well, yeah. So um, yeah, definitely, you know, whenever, uh, if, for example, if I go to Namibia and I meet the Himba, make, the make a video, then anytime you want me back on this podcast, you know. Would be very interesting, yeah. Yeah. Let me know, yeah. Rokas, so, I'm no, done. I'm and done I'm, as well. I'm so thankful for your time. Um, it was a pleasure meeting you. And uh, yeah, I hope that we can stay Thank in touch and uh, learn more from each other over time. Thank you, guys. Are you based in London? Me, I'm in California. Rokas, oh, wow. is, I'm in uh, Wales. Okay, okay. <laughs> We're worldwide. <laughs> and it's easier that I will maybe one day cross the path with Rokas because he's in Wales. But if you come to UK, Raj, let me know as well. Basically, <laughs> I, I will play with my band uh, uh, in May in, in Wales, Rokas. Um, okay, do you know where you're? Uh, is I don't remember the name of the, the town, but it's okay. very close to the border. Send me on time. WhatsApp. Definitely. Details. Yeah. Cool. Well, right. let me just say, if the people are listening to this podcast and they want to visit musicadu.com, please do. Musicadu with a double O at the end. Dot com. We'll put that. Uh, Rokas will put that in the show notes and. Yep. Uh, Anywhere else, anything else, uh, how to connect with you, Alex? I, I know you're on Instagram. That's that's all I've seen. Oh, yeah. Alex Akal, uh, A-K-A-L. You can find me, by well, on my website for just as a musician, alexakal.com. And then uh, uh, Alex Akal, uh, you find me uh, on Facebook and Instagram um, with Alex Akal Music. And, uh, yeah, that's all. Okay, I'll add it all to the show notes in the description. Thank you. Great. Thanks again, guys. Thank you as well, Alex. It was a very nice conversation.